Thanks, Pastor John. Yeah, I had a Zoom meeting this week with some pastor friends of mine, and uh, you know, there's some churches that are just going full open, and like no cases, they're like we're just going for it, and uh, you know, again, respecting thing, but at the same time, just taking precautions. And uh, what we have here is we have actually families that haven't been attending simply because there's nothing for their kids um, at that age level. And so again, we're not just asking for teachers just to fill a spot, but it's a ministry, not just to those children, but to the teachers as well. Um, so again, if you're interested, you know, sometimes it's once a month, you know, you teach one class and that's what we're looking for. Um, we're looking for a willing heart. And again, if you have a background check um, or if you don't have one, then it's just a simple one. And if you have nothing to hide, you got nothing to hide, right? If you got something to hide, don't fill it out. Just pretend like you're good, right? Um, but uh, anyhow, again, you don't have to have like experience. All you got to do is really have a love for kids. If you hate children, sign up to be a greeter. Um, you know, don't work, don't work with the kids. Actually, we want our greeters to be friendly as well. So anyhow, uh, kids, you guys can be dismissed. First to sixth grade, um, out the door, Mr. Leo, meet you back there. Excited about that. And hey, the hero of the week, the hero is Leo. Leo, thank you for getting our website back up. He's the man. It's so much work. Um, I got to be, I forgot to tell you this. So I was looking at my Facebook page this week, and it, and the, the, it says email. I've never put it on there, the email address or the website address, I should, should say, for the church. Um, and it was Cuna Life Church. And I was like, oh, that's wrong. And I don't know why it's on my Facebook because I didn't put it there. So I thought, I wonder where it goes. So, Leo, I clicked on cunalifechurch.com, and it went to an escort service. Um, and... I tell you that this week we'll have more hits on our website than anybody else. This, this is what he's saying true. And uh, so we got hacked by something in another country. So, Leo, thank you again, because I think you're the only guy in the church that knows how to unhack it. Um, and I know it's a lot of work, but thank you so much for that. I um, had people wanting to give and tithe. and like, how do we do it? And I was like, I don't know. Um, so, anyway, Hero of the Week, thank you, Leo, for what you did. And, uh, again, I don't know why we're targeted by the Chinese and Russians, um, I'm like, pick on somebody bigger, right? Is that who it was? Or should, we, can't, we probably can't say online, right? It was people, all right, with a bad agenda. Um, so now I, I removed that off my Facebook, and it is no longer a escort service. It is a salvation service because you need to get right with Jesus. Amen? All right. Hey, I want to tell you a story that some of you may have heard before, but it's worth telling again before I get into the topic. And uh, when I was in elementary school, I did something bad. I did something disobedient one time. It was one time deal per day. Um, that's not how it was. So here's what happened. I... We had, a, we had a stolen car that I was investigating. The car was called the Hot Wheels, and it was my cousin's, and we, I think we were in fifth grade at that point, and uh, somebody stole his Hot Wheels car, so I was on the scene. I was investigating the thief, and I discovered who the thief was, so I went to the principal's office because that's where our teacher was. It was in between class, and, and so I went down there, and I said, Mrs. Simon, I know who stole John's Hot Wheels car, and, and she said, go back to class. So I did, but I went the long way. I stopped by the third grade class because I knew who the thief was and he resided in the third grade class. And uh, his name was Leo. Don't get offended. It wasn't Leo. Uh, and I said, Leo, you, you have John's car. And he's like, he gave it to me. And there was this big thing. And John was like, I didn't give it to him. Like, he took it. And so anyways, on the scene as a detective, I figured out who did it. Well, when I went back to my class, Mr. Seidman had beat me there. <laughs> And when I walked in the door, I was like, oh, no. She said, Stan, you really cooked your goose. And I, 
if I remember correctly, I made some smart aleck comment like, well, it's not even Thanksgiving. I, I was just a little smart aleck. Um, that didn't go over well, and I promptly got a pink slip, and, uh, and I was known as the good Christian kid in my school. I mean, I was always loved Jesus, and I was always wanting to do the right thing, um, like investigate stolen cars and whatnot, preferring to being your teacher. So I got this pink slip. Well, we're on the bus, and we're a little country town, and, and everybody's like, you got a pink slip, man. You're in trouble, because I was like the goody two-shoes kid, and, and so I was going to show them how bad I was. So I, I crumpled the pink slip up, and I threw it out the bus window for everybody to see that I did have some rebellion in me, um, and they were like, oh, yeah, they thought it was great, and everything was cool until I got home, and then my dad got home later that evening, and he said, did you throw something out the bus window today? You know how they tell you parents have eyes in the back of their head? I was like, how in the world does he know? Well, when you live in a little town and the bus driver lives across your cow pasture and he knows your dad pretty well, okay, I got, I got busted, I got caught. And I want to tell you today, the title of the message is, is the destination is in the decision. The destination then was a big old whipping. I didn't just get in trouble at school. I got in trouble at home too because of my attitude. And I had to own it. I had to realize I'm the one that disobeyed to begin with. I'm the one that got the pink slip, and I'm the one that got the licking because I threw it out the window in an act of defiance. How often do we get punished for something, and we think, well, I shouldn't get punished when we actually broke the law? So that is the title of the message, The Destination is in the Decision. And we're in Jeremiah chapter 16 through 17. Um, and uh, it's a good thing. So here's a little bit of a recap on Jeremiah. I've been reading through Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a young man when he was called. His dad was a priest. And so he grew up in a priest's home. He knew the law. He knew right and wrong. And God calls him in verse 4 of chapter 1. And it says this. It's not on the screen. This is just kind of a heads up of where, where he started in this ministry. It says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born... I set you apart, and I believe that's every single one of you. Every single one of you, God knew before you were in the womb. He knew that you weren't a mistake. He knew that you weren't the result of two people sleeping together and having an accident. Because I, I, I've had people say, well, you know, he was an accident. No, no, it was not an accident. It was on purpose. It might have been unexpected, but it was no accident. Right? Conception is never an accident. It, it's always an on-purpose thing. God knew you. So don't ever doubt that your existence here was the, was the act of a will between a man and a woman in a moment of passion. God knew that you needed to be born and he used your parents, maybe unknowingly, to bring you into this earth because he has a plan for your life. That's how important you are. You got to see that, that you're just not some accident, all right? That you were here with a specific purpose, a specific will, because Jeremiah... Really, his calling it might be different than yours, but the plans are still the same. That God has a plan for you. So don't ever question, well, why was I born? Well, God have, has a plan. So he says this to Jeremiah. Jeremiah's like, what? Like, I'm set apart, and God says, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. Who else said that in the Bible? Some guy named Moses? He's like, I, 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 Lord, can you use me? And God says, I can use you. I can use you, Forrest. I can use you. All right? You just got to be willing to be used. And he's like, I, I'm, I'm only a child. And then God says this. He corrects him. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. Don't ever say this about yourself. Well, I'm only this. Answer the question, has God called you 
for a specific purpose on this earth. Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Don't ever limit what God can do in your life by God saying, well, God, I'm only this. I'm only an ex-addict. I'm only an ex-this. I'm only this. I'm only this. I don't have the gift. I don't, don't, don't ever question what God has called you to do. When God has called you to do it, he will give you the tools to do it. Don't go to your past. Don't look at your past because it will just be an anchor that will hold you back. So don't, don't be like that. Don't just say, well, God, I'm, I'm just a kid. I can't do this. And God says, don't say that about yourself. Some of you have been talking to yourself a little too much, telling yourself what you're not. And God is here to tell you what you are. Amen. You were called, you were set apart. If you struggle with identity, like you, you go back and read this. It's like if God knew Jeremiah, he knows me. Amen. He knows me. Let's get that out of the way. And here's what he's supposed to do. Don't say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares Why would he say don't be afraid of them? Because they're going to be mean to you. You're going to say stuff that they don't want to hear. Jeremiah, you can't be afraid. You're young, but you're a voice, and you need to be that voice. Okay, again, he was just a boy when God called him. His calling wasn't an easy one. It's very lonely when you're calling from God is to call people out on their bad behavior. It's not a fun thing. Matter of fact, in chapter 20 of Jeremiah, he writes a complaint to God. He's like, God, this stinks. I, I tell people what you told me to tell them and they want it. They hate me for it. God, this is no good. I'm getting unfriended left and right, Lord. And God's like, I didn't call you to be everybody's friend. I've called you to be their leader. Because I care enough about them for you to tell them the truth. And he writes this whole, you gotta read it. If you're having like a bummer time in life, go read chapter 20. It'll make you feel better. You're like, oh, I'm not the only one that life stinks right now. Because <laughs> Jeremiah's like, I don't like this. And nobody likes me because I'm telling the truth. But, the, but he also says, but if I, if I don't say what God has told me to say, there's a fire that's shut up in me that I can't contain. See, the word of God is a fire. The word of God is a fire. And Jeremiah has got this fire in his heart. So here's what God is using Jeremiah to do. He's using them to warn them that their destination is in their decision. He's talking to the Israelites who are completely rebellious. They keep doing the wrong thing. They keep doing things that God has told them not to do. And now there is results to their choices. And Jeremiah is calling them out on it. They're making bad choices to turn from God. And destruction awaits those if they don't repent. You see, there's a point when God's patience simply runs out. There's a point. There's a point in America, there's a point in this world where God's patience eventually runs out. So the theme of the book of Jeremiah basically is this. It's your behavior has brought this on you. Your behavior, Stan, when you threw that pink slip out the window, brought on the punishment. Because what I should have done is I should have took the home thing to my dad and said, Dad, I got a pink slip today. I, I, I disobeyed my teacher. I did my own thing. I knew it was wrong. I went the long way. I was kind of justifying getting to the classroom, but I really knew what she meant when she said, go to your class. She didn't say, find out which direction do you want to go yourself. Go to class, meaning straight to class, okay? And I didn't do it. Dad, I am really sorry. Here's my pink slip, whatever punishment. Okay, you know what my dad would have done? He wouldn't have whooped me, I guarantee you that, but some things you don't learn until you're older. He would have went, oh, well, thanks for being honest, you know. And now the school gets to punish you for the pink slip, whatever the punishment was, I don't remember. But because I hid it, because I did what I was not supposed to do, I got punished twice. So this leads me to believe that destruction is a choice. That when we destroy our lives, it's because of choices that we made. Okay, verse 17, if you go to chapter 2, Jeremiah 2, 17. Again, it's not on the screen. 
It says, you have, uh, you have not brought this on yourselves. I'm sorry, you have not brought this on yourselves by forsaking the Lord your God. Or have you not? Have you not? Let me read this right. Have you not brought this on yourselves by forsaking the Lord your God? And that's where I get kind of my title, is that this behavior has brought this on you. So we're in a world today that's kind of wanting to do its own thing. Now, there's two parts to this message. Uh, good news or bad news first? What do you want? You're like me, you want the bad news, right? Somebody says, bad, good news, bad news, I just want to give me the bad news. So the first part of this message is the bad news if you're not serving God. The second part is good news if you are. And so we're going to end on a high note, don't worry. But we have to deal with this because God put this on my heart that as a country, we got to know where we're going. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in this world and it's been on my heart to warn people to be serious about your walk with Jesus. That today you need to be right with God because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. We are not guaranteed our next breath. And as this world kind of seemingly spins out of control, it's not because God's got it. But as, as a pastor, I'm looking at all these different things that are happening. I'm watching chats. I'm watching Facebook messages and different things. You know, I had this thought. If you grew up in church, back in the day, you know they used to have church splits over the color of the carpet? Does anybody remember that? Those the stories? Like if you grew up in church, it was like the color of the carpet. It would literally split churches. Like, we're going to redo the, well, what colors are going to be? It's going to be orange. No, it's going to be red. I called it AG Orange, Assembly of God Orange. Like, that's how our church is, AG Orange. And there's AG Red. And, and there was actually splits in church. And I hope that if we make it to 2025, we don't look back and tell our grandkids, there was a time that the church was split over wearing face masks or not. They're going to hold up a face mask. Instead of the story of the carpet causing division, it's going to be the face mask thing. Lord, please have mercy on us. Let us not be like that. Amen. If you want to wear one, wear it. If you don't want to wear one, then don't wear one. Okay? Try to follow the code. But here's the deal, guys. Is we can get focused on the wrong things. We can let simple little things cause divisions. And man, that's, that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to argue about the stupid stuff. He wants to argue, us to argue about things that in eternity, they may not matter that much. Again, do our best to comply, right? But there's a point where we go, okay, am I really so focused on this thing here that we're forgetting the big picture? We're forgetting there's a world out there that needs Jesus? Amen? I mean, it's, it's a tough time now to invite friends to church because there's a little bit of a hesitancy. I'm ready to kind of get back into the normal flow of church. And, and this pastor's meeting that I had, there's a couple of churches that are doing it and they're booming and nobody's getting sick. Wow. You need to hear that. There's no cases. And they're like, people are flocking to the churches and they're having church and they're just believing God, not over spiritually saying, okay, God, we're going to have church. We're going we're gonna to do the best we can. And if you're at risk, don't come, but they're booming. And, and so I was getting this feedback and I'm like, man, that's a positive thing. Okay. Just to know that God's hand is on this whole thing and whether or not you believe about it, don't let it be something that splits you. If you need to stay home and watch it, cause that's where you feel comfortable, then do that. We don't have any right to judge somebody who stays home. And if you stay home, don't be judging people that come. Right. Amen? I mean, there's, there's this thing, but we can focus on the wrong things. And I think that's what the devil, his whole goal is to divide and conquer. This thing needs to bring us together, not split us apart. But destruction is a choice. So, in this world that we're living in right now, it's been on my heart, again, to warn people about, be serious about your walk with God. America seems to be headed down a path toward lawlessness and anything goes. I believe we're seeing prophecy unfold before our very eyes. I really believe that. I think Jesus' return is pretty close. When? I have no idea. I'm not going to tell you times and dates because that would make me a false prophet. Right? Hell's not worth being praised by people because they think I'm a prophet because I would be wrong. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. What Jesus did say is, behold, I'm coming soon. 
What does that mean? I don't know. But I want to be ready when he comes. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind to have peace for the next several years. See my grandbaby get raised and that kind of stuff. Right? But I don't, I'm not in control of this. But what I am in control of is my behavior. So we have this path that I see us going down as a country of lawlessness. And again, anything goes. But if you're right with God, there's nothing to fear. Okay, what I see, and I'll, I'll share this with you. I saw a, a cell phone video of a protest the other day, and I'm all. If you protest peacefully, thumbs up. If you're destroying stuff, that's where it goes wrong. But here's what they were chanting, and this really concerns me. Okay, I'm just going to tell you what was made public. It was a cell phone video. I didn't see it on the news. I saw it on a different uh, site, and the cell phone video of this protest. And here's what they were chanting: Every city, every town, burn the precincts to the ground. That they were chanting it. I was like, that's not, that's not a path you want to go down. That is not good for anybody because they're not thinking this through. If you're protesting and you don't want any police presence, who's to keep bad people from coming and shooting your protest up and walking away scot-free? Do you, it's like you're not thinking this through. Burn every precinct to the ground. I'm like, that's not bringing peace. That's not bringing change. That's bringing division. And yet there's this blindness to that sort of mentality. I mean, I'm like, guys, this isn't good for any. I understand you're frustrated. But this isn't good for no one to have no police officers. That is not, that is not a good thing for any society. And yet there's this deception going on to think that everything's going to be fine. And in the days of the Israelites, they have this similar thing that Jeremiah is about to confront. And he's like, you guys don't even know what you're doing. You don't know that your decision that you're wanting to make is bringing destruction upon you. All right, so again, the first part of the message is a little harsh. second part is a little more fun. Uh, let's, go, let's go to the main part of the message here. Uh, and I preach short first service. Do you care if I do that this service? Okay, amen. Oh, wow, good amen. Uh, all right, we were done about 10 minutes early, so that's cool, because I went over long last week, so I want to reward you for coming back. All right, day of disaster, uh, chapter 16 of Jeremiah. It says, then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, you must not marry and have sons and daughters in this place. Now, there's some wordiness in here. For this is what the Lord says about the sons and daughters born in this land, and about the women who are their mothers and the men who are their fathers. <laughs> this is comforting. They will die of deadly diseases. They will not be mourned or buried, but will be like refuse lying on the ground. They will perish by the sword and famine, and their dead bodies will become food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. This is for disobedient Israel. For this is what the Lord says, do not enter a house where there is a funeral meal. Do not go to mourn or show sympathy, because I have, this is sad, because I have withdrawn my blessing, my love, and my pity from this people. Disobedience has a consequence. Snubbing your nose at God over and over and over again has a consequence. And God is here. He loves Israel. It's his people. And he's saying, you guys have disobeyed me and snubbed me long enough, and I can no longer bless you. I can't. i got to withhold my love from you because you're just simply not listening to the word, declares the Lord. Okay, I, I, draw, I would draw my pity from this people. Both high and low, 
will die in this land. They will not be buried or mourned, and no one will cut himself or shave his head for them. An act of cutting was something they did to show mourning. No one will offer food to comfort those who mourn for the dead, not even a father or mother, nor will anyone give them a drink to console them. And do not enter a house where there is feasting and sit down to eat and drink. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Before your eyes and in your days, I will bring an end to the sounds of joy and gladness and to the voices of bride and bridegroom in this place. And that, that is a word that Jeremiah has to deliver, and that's not a fun word to deliver. It's not a fun thing for him because people don't like you to tell them when they're wrong. They don't like it. They don't like it, somebody to call them out on their behavior. So God is patience. I mean, so God is patient, but his patience eventually runs up. You ever seen a mom snap? <laughs> you ever seen a mom just lose it? Like, patient pills, and boom! You just be like, whoa, what happened? I saw this happen in, in Walmart the other day. Where this, I don't know what the kid was doing, but mom snapped. And I have to be honest, she was a little scary looking. I was like, I wouldn't want to make that mom a snap. Like, she meant business. She had that fire in her eyes as a woman who's been homeschooling her kids because of COVID for too long. <laughs> and she, she was like, bah! And I was like, whoa! You know, I had a mask on, so that kind of covers, like, the shock on my face. But yet, moms snap because they've just put up with enough. And as a Christian, bad behavior really should bother us. And it should bother us that hell awaits those who reject Christ. See, compassion is what has to be that drives us. We need to be able to call people out on behavior because of compassion, not judgment. We can say, hey, there is an impending judgment, okay, but compassion should be what drives us. It's something that I'm working on in my own heart is being compassionate for those who have a legitimate complaint or a legitimate concern, a legitimate reason to walk down a street and hold a sign to say, I'm hurting here, I'm hurting. And what I've found is sometimes these people need to be heard. They just need to be here. They need to be understood. And as Christians, we need to be better at that. Now, is there crazy riots? Is, there, is breaking stuff good? No, it's not. I read another quote of a guy who this, this, they, they burned a church, they burned a business, they burned like a car lot, and one of the neighbors is like, well, it's unfortunate, but this stuff needs to happen so people will listen. And I'm like, okay, you're obviously not a business owner, and that's not your home church, okay? No, that stuff does not need to happen, okay? That's unlawful, it's disobedient, it's destructive, does nothing good, it drives a, a further wedge for a cause, all right? Respect is what's going to bring both people to the table, mutual respect. To say, hey, I may not agree with you, but man, I respect you. Let me hear you out. And you do it in a nonviolent manner. Last time I've seen people, or last time I checked, a nonviolent manner usually gets better results in violence. Okay? Unless it comes to disciplining your kids, and violence works pretty good. Um, If you need to whoop them. Yeah, I'm, ble- I'm just biblical here, right? The Bible says it, it'll drive it far from him. Matter of fact, if you don't discipline your kids, the Bible says you can send them to hell because they, don't, they learn to not listen. All right, this isn't on parenting. That was just a little extra. Um, we, had a, we had a different extra in the last thing that probably was good that it wasn't recorded. But we might get there. Who knows? All right? Compassion has to drive us. It has to drive us. Verse 10 through 13. When you tell these people all this, when you warn them, okay, you say, Jeremiah, when you tell the people this is what's going to happen because of your behavior, they will ask you this question. Well, why has the Lord, I call this confronting the clueless. Why has the Lord decreed such a great disaster on us? What wrong have we done? What sin have we committed against the Lord our God? The Lord our God. They're claiming God, but they're not living right. Then say to them, it is because your fathers forsook me, declares the Lord, and followed other gods and served and worshiped them. They forsook me and did not keep my law. Now, he's not blaming them. He's showing them something. But you have behaved more wickedly than your fathers. 
See how each of you is following the stubbornness of the evil heart instead of obeying me? So I will throw you out of this land into a land neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you will serve other gods day and night. For I will show you no favor. Now, this isn't the fluffy God. This is like the God that said, you disobey me and you're going to get it. Because you have forsaken me. I can't bless you anymore. And I want to. God's like, I want to. But you're not letting me. If you bump back to chapter 15, verse, uh, verse uh, 19. It says this, if you repent, I'll restore you. God will always honor a repentant heart. He always will. And he's given them chance after chance after chance. And they keep just pushing God away. And now they're going, what do we do? You ever, you ever call somebody out on their crud? And, and they're like, what do we do? And like, you know what you did. Oh, yeah. Right? You know what you did. It's like the kid with the cookie all over their face. What would you do? Oh, nothing. You been in the cookie jar? Nope. Little cookie jar's been on you. Right? You got chocolate all over your face. There's always residue from our sin. When I was a young youth pastor, um, I preached on fornication. I got to preach in the church, and uh, man, I was preaching on sex before marriage and how the Bible says if you live this way, not if you make the mistake, but if you live this way, it says you will not inherit the kingdom of God, sexual immorality. And, and I'm so I'm preaching, and I get done, and, and I had this person come up to me, and I'm thinking they're going to go, that's a good message, pastor. And they're like, I can't believe you said what you said. I was like, what did I say? Oh, you talked about people living together and sleeping together. And you know, let's just get something straight. It's not the sleeping together that gets you in trouble. It's what you do when you're awake that gets you in trouble. Like you walk in and two people and they're just they're sleeping. You don't get in trouble. You don't sin when you're sleeping. It's when you're awake. That's when the trouble comes. So let's just get that straight. And, and, and this person was like, I invited this couple to church and it was their first time and they may never come back because they're living together and they might feel guilty. Da, da, da. And so I was like, whoa, whoa, man, what do I do? So I called my pastor in California. I said, Pastor, here's the situation. And he goes, hey, sometimes people need to be told they're lost. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm good. Hey, you're good, man. Just keep preaching it, all right? But I had somebody actually, they were offended that I actually called somebody out on something that could potentially send them to hell. That would be compassion, right? Not judgment. Because I tell you this because I don't want you to end up in hell. I don't want you to end up with life messed up. So don't assume that somebody's being judgmental when their motive is likely compassion. You ever followed a driver's ed car? Isn't that fun? It's almost like normal driving. Um, Some of you actually should have the sign on your car, even though you've been driving for years. But why does it say student driver? Because what? Because they're learning, right? They're gonna they're gonna stall. They're gonna cut people. They're gonna do scary. They're gonna do scary things, right? They're gonna do things. That's why they have a chicken break on the on the other side, right? And, and it's, it's marked so that we have compassion. And I think there's a lot of people that have a driver's ed sign on their spiritual life, guys. That we have these expectations that they're seasoned veteran Christians and they're going to do everything right. But there are times we have to look at and go, okay, they're still, man, they're still cussing. They're still dropping some bad words on Facebook. They're still doing some things. But they got the Christian ed sign on. And we need to show a little compassion. We need to love them through this. They've made the decision. They're on their way to heaven, you know, in a driver's ed car. It might be too, if you're not careful. Um, and, and we just got to be careful. But we got to warn those we love. And that's to me what a driver's ed marking is. It's, it's a warning of, hey, we're, we're new with this. We're new with this. But if you're driving that way after 10 years of driving, there's a problem. You can't just be cutting people off and doing crazy stuff. If you drive a stick shift after 10 years, you should know how to, to do the stick shift thing without stalling the car. 
Right? I mean, you should. If you drive enough, we, we should improve. So I believe that God's heart is broken. I believe Jeremiah's heart is broken because his whole life, he's watched his people, his own people, make bad decisions. And he knows the results of bad decisions. He's like, come on, guys. God told you not to do that. And I have to be the one to turn my red and blue lights on, pull you over and say, stop. And yet you're going to blame me because you're the one that's actually breaking the law. God doesn't want you to break the law because he wants to bless you, but you're not letting him bless you. His heart is broken, I believe. They're throwing away their lives, chasing other things and suffering the consequences. He's like, if you'd only serve God, you'd know true joy and true peace. I know for all of us here, it's sad to see someone make one bad decision after another because you know where the path goes. You know anybody like that in your life right now? You're just watching them and you're like, man, you're set on self-destruct. You're making choices that you think are fun right now, but they're going to end up in a bad way. Why? Because most of us ended up down that path too. I would say, listen to people who have been on the path before you. And if they tell you don't go down the path, then don't go down the path. Teenagers, don't let experience be your teacher. Let someone else's experience be your teacher. I can tell you stories about when I've burned myself and you don't have to go, well, I want to go try to put my hand on a, on a stove too and see if it burns. It will. When you have a flaming marshmallow on your stick and you're in a Royal Ranger camp out and you bring that thing back fast enough and stop, let me tell you something. Centrifugal force is a thing, right? Action, reaction, when you stop things that are on fire and soft will keep coming. <laughs> Explains a lot, doesn't it? And then you have a Royal Ranger who's got a flaming eye because he likes his marshmallows perfect. That would be me because burn is not acceptable. It's got to be brown perfectly. And when it came back, the marshmallow just kept coming and I ruined the camp out because I have this burning marshmallow on my face. <laughs> my uncle was like, stand, stand, stand. It wasn't the uncle who's 280Z. I filled up the water. This was the other uncle. All right. Things happen. Okay. There are consequences to our actions. See, no one gets away with unrepented sin. Verse 17 teaches that. Okay, no one gets away with it. No one gets away with unrepentant sin. Why, why do I say that? God says this here in chapter 16, verse 17. My eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from me, from my eyes. I will repay them double for their wickedness and their sin because they have defiled my land with life. They're chasing other things. And God says, I can't leave this thing unpunished. So the, the thing is, repent. Again, chapter 15, 19, repent. All right. Now that you're all sad, um, let's go to the fun part. You ready for the fun part? And then I'll let you go home. All right. Guard your heart. It's important. Okay, chapter 17, verse 1 through 6. Let's talk about it, and then we'll, we'll move on to the fun part. Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool. Inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. Even their children remember the altars and Asherah poles. And if you don't know what an Asherah pole is, it, it, was, it, it's, it was thought to be most likely recognized as a, a male body part. Okay? And it, it was something that it was detestable, but there were a lot of immorality and it like, was kind of like the god of sexual immorality. Okay? Only they didn't add the immorality word to there. It was like the god of sex. So it was not a very good thing. All right. So they had these, these poles up. They had these symbols of sexual freedom, which is actually sexual bondage. Okay. Beside the spreading trees and on the high hills, my mountain and the land and your wealth and all your treasures, I will give away as plunder together with the high places because of sin throughout the country. Because of what? 
because of sin throughout the what? Out the country. Not everybody was sinning. Okay, there were Hebrews that were serving God, but, but when it became the norm, he's like, I have to punish this, okay? Through your own fault, you will lose the inheritance. Who, whose fault? God's saying, you guys are bringing this on yourself. Through your own fault, you will lose the inheritance I gave you. I wanted to give you, and I wanted you to keep it, but you are causing me to take it back from you because of your behavior. I will enslave you to your enemies in a land you do not know, for you have kindled my anger, and it will burn forever. And this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He would be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. In other words, you are going to live south of Cuna, Idaho. Parched places, not much water, scrub brush. Okay, a place that's a little bit desolate. It would probably be more like Death Valley. That's where you will live if you turn away from God. So guard your heart. People pursue stuff that will never fulfill them. I didn't have this on the screen. I probably should have. Here's, here's it. Write this down. Try to remember it. There is a vast emptiness in living for yourself. Vast emptiness. When you live just for yourself, your pleasure, there's a vast emptiness in living for yourself. And that's why God has called us to live for other people. Why did Jeremiah call? Jeremiah was called with the gift, and the gift was to get people to get right. You were called with the gift. Now, your, your gift may not be like Jeremiah. Bless you, because you don't want to have the gift of Jeremiah. I kind of have the gift of Jeremiah. I get to tell people to stop doing what they're doing. And not everybody appreciates that. I don't get nice Facebook comments about things that I said that they don't like. Oh, Pastor Sam, thank you for correcting me in public. It's, I can't believe you said that. That's, I've been called, I've been, I, I spew hate speech from the pulpit. I've had people say that about, you spew hate speech from the pulpit. No, it's actually love speech, because how you're living is going to send you to hell. Okay, and a loving pastor is going to tell you that. If I didn't care, I wouldn't say a word. I'd be like, hey, man, live and let live. Go do what you want. But I care about where you spend eternity. I do. We had a friend of ours this week that was killed in a car wreck, 20 years old. Girl that's been in our house several times, kind of our adopted daughter. And uh, we don't really know what happened. But all I know is that she's gone. And so in our hearts, it broke. I heard the news. I cried. It was like, this is a girl that I just, I loved on. And uh, one of my, my, Travis's friends, and guys, we, don't, we aren't guaranteed our next breath. We're really not. We think we always have tomorrow, and there's a point where, where we don't. And it, it lights a fire in me, I think, because I've done so many funerals. It, there's this reality that death is going to happen to each one of us. And we need to be ready at every moment. We need to be ready. We need to be ready. We need to be ready. Guard your heart. And he's saying, repent. If you're living in sin, repent while you can. Chapter 15, verse 19. What's he say? Repent and I will what? I'll forgive you. Get right. Okay? Do right. Get right. Now, let's go to the fun part here. Because, I, I, again, I, I always like to get the bad news out of the way. <laughs> All right, Pastor, what's the good news? Here's the good news. If you're serving Jesus, everything's cool. Right? What, what blessing do you get from serving God? Okay, now we talked about not serving God and all the things that are going to happen. But what happens when you do serve God? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Because the word of God has something to say about this. Here's where I want to live. Because really, the story is about the tale of two types of behaviors. is the obedient and the disobedient. Let's talk about what happens when you obey God. Number one, I can trust and I have a confidence that God is who he says he is. And he will do what he said he would do. He's going to get us through this. 
Some of y'all waking up and you're, you're looking at the news and you're going, ah, when, when you need to look beyond the news and say, okay, where does this thing end up? Right? Where, guys, where do we get to go when we're done with this mess? We get to go to heaven, which is going to be an amazing place. Travis and I were talking about, I think there's going to be dinosaurs in heaven. I think God's going to be like, hey, this is like the Garden of Eden, okay, the new heaven and the new earth. Most of us scholars, I'm not a scholar, most of us, most smart scholars, I'm the pastor, the recipient of scholars' in-depth studies, and, and I got to read, they think that, that the earth basically is going to be like the Garden of Eden all over again, like the original way that God made. And, and I thought, okay, what about triceratops? Probably. You get a ride one? Sure, why not? Hey, but God is so creative. It's not, we're not going to be in heaven for like a thousand years and go, okay, there's nothing else left to do. God's not going to go, well, I didn't think that through. I thought a thousand years would be fine. No, we're, we're there for eternity. What's going to happen? New heaven, new earth. There's, there's a lot of good things that await. And I liken it to a trip to Hawaii. Okay, I enjoy going to Hawaii. My wife and I, we try to go every year. I don't know if they'll let us this, this next year, but I hope so. But here's the, one of the things that I've discovered. On a trip to Hawaii, there is an awful lot of parents who take little children. I think they should have two separate flights. Like, with children, without children, because I can't tell you how many times we've got on the we're excited, the destination's great, and you get a kid that starts screaming. Or you get the kid that's kicking the back of your seat, and you're going, parents, don't you see what's happening? Oh, no, you're, look, you're looking at your phone. Of course you don't see your child. All right? And, and these kids are crying, and they're doing crazy things. You're like, we're going to this romantic place, and there's children. You ever felt my pain? Have you ever taken your toddlers on the plane? All right, I'm thinking two separate planes. I had this one little girl, and I can't remember if we were coming or going, but this, I was sitting there watching a movie on the iPad, and, and all of a sudden I heard a coughing noise. Or I, felt, I sensed something, and I looked, and there was this little nose. Like, I'm at a window seat, and there's this little nose looking at my screen, and I'm like, Hi. <laughs> Where's your seatbelt? You see the signs on, you're not obeying the seatbelt sign. And she's watching my movie. It was like Poltergeist or Children of the Corn or something. Just kidding. I've never seen it. Well, actually, I did see Poltergeist as a kid. Um, scarred me. And don't go watch it, okay? It's bad. It's probably more real than we like to know. And so here's what's worse. Guys, not only is she watching, and I'm, I'm nice. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be Jesus here. I'm gonna be, I'm, and I, I moved my iPad so she could see it. It was like a G-rated movie. And so I moved it. And then she starts coughing. Like enough that spit is hitting my iPad. And I'm like... Okay, now what do I do? Because if I pull it away, she's probably going to kick the back of my chair for the rest of the flight. And I'm like, I'm like, hi, where's your mom? You know, I'm like, this is not comfortable here. This is pre-COVID. If it had been COVID, she'd have had a mask on. I'd have been all for the mask. Like, put this on. Um, but anyhow, I, I'm just trying to ignore it, but I'm trying to be nice. And it, it's just uncomfortable. You ever have somebody just make you uncomfortable? And it was inconvenient for me. I didn't really like it, but she was enjoying the show. <laughs> and she was being quiet. She was just coughing. And there are times in life that we have to have compassion for other people more than our comfort. Really, because life is really about other people, even on our trip to Hawaii. And what you have to remember is the destination is worth the trip, even if the trip is bumpy. Even if there's people on the trip that make the trip uncomfortable for you. And right now in our world, there's a lot of people making a lot of uncomfortableness with, with where we're going. But as a Christian, we need to understand the destination is worth it. We're going we're gonna to see some stuff go on and we have to err on the side of compassion a lot of times. Now, I'm not saying we don't have to put up with the stuff. Right? I mean, I, I, it probably does the same thing to me. You see people burning buildings and car lots and doing that. That's just completely wrong. 
That is not protest, that is rioting. Again, if you have a protest, protest. You have a right to do that, and you might have a real cause, but when it becomes criminal, that's where things need to stop, right? But as a Christian, we have to look at it and go, okay, what do I feel about it? Well, I know what I feel about it, but can I really do anything about it? Here's how I think we should do something about it. We need to, to focus on our own town and love people in our own town or in our own place of work. Start with us. Start with us. That's how we make a difference with mutual respect. We start loving people. Uh, and so what, what do we do? Okay, when we see the world going crazy, here's what God says to do. Okay, verse seven. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in the political system and who gets elected this November. You know what I'm excited about this November? (laughs) Don, you know what I'm excited about this November? Same thing you're excited about, brother. Elk season. That's all November means to me is elk hunting, okay? I'm excited about that. I'm going to be in the woods and I'm going to probably not have cell service. I'm going to go, who's going to get elected? I'm not going to care because I'm going to get a big old bull elk. And then I'm going to eat it over my campfire because I'm hiding out in the woods because the world went nuts. Right? I don't know, right? I'm excited about elk season. I get to spend time with my son and my mom and dad. We hunt elk together. It's going to be great. God's got the rest. Okay, I'm going to vote, but I'm going to let God have the, control the results because I can't anyway. Okay? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, not a political system, not a political candidate. We trust in God whose confidence is in him. I have confidence in who God is in my life. And he will be, I want you to picture a, a, a nice stream, nice green grass on the side of the stream and a creek under there. And there's a tree planted right on the side of the stream. And its roots are just down and it's into the stream. This is, that's what I want you to picture when we read this. You will be, as a believer, you will be like this tree that sends out its roots into the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought or in a year of elections, or in a year of upheaval, or in a year when things aren't going the way you thought. It has no worries in what? In a year of drought. There's seasons in life. It has no worries. Why? Because God is in control. And it never fails to bear fruit. Why does a fruit tree bear fruit? Is it so it can show everybody how beautiful its, tree, its, its fruit is? Why does a tree bear fruit? What's the point? To feed people. To be a blessing to others. Okay? That's why you're supposed to bear fruit, because it makes a positive impact on other people. Now, let's just talk about this, and I'll let you go home. Blessing follows obedience, all right? People can't always see what your roots are tapped into, but they can sure see the effects of it in the health of the tree. People don't know where your roots are at first, but if your leaves are green, somebody's going, okay, they're doing something right. See, a lot of you are very blessed. Why? Because your, your roots are deep into the water, into the word of God. And when you get the word of God, when you get into it and it gets into you, good things happen. We get into the word, we stick with the word, we say, okay, God, I see a bunch of crazy going on, but I believe that you are my rock and my salvation. Amen. See, the fruit reveals the root. If you don't hear anything I said today, remember that. The fruit reveals the root. You know what the root's into? By what's going on on the tree. We had a zucchini plant years back, and my mom grew in our garden, and man, I, like, I love fried zucchini, and we cooked it up, and, and we, we ate it, well, we took a bite, and it was the bitterest, it tasted like poison, and we're like, what in the world? So we got another zucchini, we, like, and they all tasted like poison. Looked beautiful, but something in it was bad, and we're like, what happened? Well, we kind of figured out that we had spilled a bunch of like bug poison in that area, 
called diazonon, which is, even the word sounds bad, right? Diazonon, like Diablo. <laughs> it kills things, which, <laughs> Diablo does. And, and the root system got into the bug poison, and my mom fed it to us. <laughs> Mom's probably watching. Thanks, Mom. All right? And, and no, no fruit off that zucchini plant ever produced anything good. Why? Because its roots we're into something poisonous. What are your roots into today? What is the result of it? What, what is hanging off your tree? See, what your roots are feeding on privately, hear me, will eventually be exposed publicly. Let me say that again. What your roots are feeding on privately will eventually be exposed publicly. Get your roots into the right thing. Get your roots into the stream. Get your roots into the word of God. And you're here today, I don't have to tell you that. It's probably the empty chairs are the ones that I need to be talking to because if we, if we pull away from the church family, if we pull away from God's word and from worshiping together as a family, we eventually will begin to dry up. How do I know that? Guys, I've been there. I've been there. When we were, before we came to this church, it was four months where we were in between churches. I went to church once a week, okay, where I had been in ministry growing up in church all the time. I will tell you, Laura, I will tell you, I, drew, I, I, I dried up a bit. Because I was just attending once a week. It was like, I had no like, motive. I mean, I love God. I wasn't out backsliding, partying. But I will tell you, spiritually, I, I dried up. And it wasn't until I got back into the church scene where I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night teaching that I began to fill up again. I would have to tell you that I probably wasn't very fruitful in that four months. I wasn't backslidden. It just really wasn't that on fire. And that's, that's what happens when we remove ourselves all right, from the body of believers, I really believe that, okay, from the constant feeding, the constant reading of the Word of God every day. If the only Bible you get is on Sunday, guys, that's, man, you're going to be dry. You're going to be dry. Okay? We need to be in the Word of God every day. I should just be telling you on Sunday what you've already read on Saturday. Amen? Has no fear when heat comes. And heat is going to come. And if you're grounded in God's Word, you will be fine. So life is full of seasons. You'll be fine if you stay in God's Word. Trust it. It says it has no worries in a year of what? Of drought. Where are you at today? Do you feel a little droughty? Is that even a word? Do you feel a little dry? Do you feel like you're in a place maybe where God's not talking to you like he used to and you're not hearing things and you're reading the word and you're trying, but you're just, you ever been there? I was there a couple weeks back. I was like, God, I, <laughs> I need to hear you, Lord. I am leading a church where you have some different viewpoints on what's going on and I need some help here. If, any, if ever I needed you to talk to me, God, I need your voice now. I need to say the right things. I, not to, I need to not say stupid things. I, not, I need to not say Stan's opinions on stuff. I need to speak God's word and say, God, what will nourish everybody? Because we got people that are like, hey, forget the mask. And we have some people like, no, you have to wear it everywhere. And how do you pastor that? I would say have mercy on your preacher because he doesn't know what to do. It's like, okay, I, I, if I say this, they're going to get mad. If I say that, they're going to get mad. Who is it? You know, okay, let's just look at tithing records. Who gives more? Okay, then make them less mad. <laughs> That's not what we do, right? We have to look and go, this is my flock. This is who God has put in my church. I got to love them all. I got to understand them all. I got to respect those who want to wear the mask and those who don't want to. I got to respect that. I got to love and I got to be okay with it. That's a tough place to pastor, you're going, I, I can't make anybody happy, and I'm sorry. 
But what I have to do, and what I have you to understand, you need to understand this if you go to another church, maybe you watch online, let me guarantee you something. Your pastor, whoever he is, whoever she is, they are praying more now than they've ever prayed before. They are seeking God's direction more now than they ever, they are seeking, God, what do I say to a people that are not afraid enough or people that are completely living in fear? How do I lead that? And that's my pastor's meeting I had this week is we were all like, man, this is hard. We don't know what to do. We're down 50%, 60%. Some churches are booming. The ones that just opened up said, man, we're just going to have church. They're booming. Again, no infections. So something's going on there. Either God's protecting them or whatever. How do you lead that? Do we open up nursery? Well, no. Do we, yeah, I need nursery. I can't come to church if nursery's not there. How do you lead that? So I would say have grace on your preacher. Know that they're doing the best that they know how to do. They're trying to make their decisions based on God's word and on prayer. But I promise you, your leaders are praying more than ever before on how to lead through this whole thing. Amen? Amen. A little plug for myself there. Be nice to me. Um, Okay, my pastors. No worries in a year of drought. Keep your roots in the right place. Stay on page four. I'm skipping a little bit. What I want you to do is get up in the morning and determine that you're going to do what's right regardless of what everybody else is doing regardless of what your emotions are doing or saying. I believe, again, that things are happening faster in this world. I think the end times are upon us. Whatever time frame is, I don't know. I just want to be ready. But keep your roots in the right place. God has a plan. The devil has a plan. God's plan is to bless you as his kids. Satan's plan is to rip you off. That's his whole plan. So the worst thing you can do is to think you're right with God and not be. And that's where these Hebrews were when, when Jeremiah called them out on it. They're like, what, what? We didn't, what are we doing? He's like, you're sinning. You need to stop. You need to repent. You need to get right with God. Right? So my final encouragement is this. As this world widens down, this is what I, I felt God want me to share with you. And I'm careful when I say that. God didn't show up in my office and talk to me. He didn't call me on the phone. He didn't shoot me a text. I felt it in my heart. This, this was like the final word for our church family here. As this world widens down, just keep battling. Just keep battling. Keep doing what's right. You might be struggling with certain things, and there's some of you in here that you'll battle certain addictions, you'll battle certain things to the very end. And let me tell you something here, and I've told you this before, that I believe that God is more proud of a son or a daughter who is battling addictions and and just things that just have a hold in their heart, and they keep fighting than he is of somebody who doesn't struggle with really anything. God is more proud of the battler. God is more proud of of those of you who are, he knows what baggage you come into this thing with. He knows the driver's head car is still there and it's flashing. It's got like lights on. And God says, son and daughter, I'm proud of you for fighting. I know you're battling that. I know you're battling that sin that just keeps coming back. But I'm proud of you for fighting it. I'm proud of you that when you fall into it, that you get back on your face and you repent and you get right and I forgive you. And I just want you to know that I'm proud of you for fighting. For those of you who don't struggle with much, yeah, good job. But, But for my son who's battling, that's who I believe God is more proud of. I just really believe that. So that's, that's a word I believe from God to somebody in this place or maybe to a group of you who just feel like you're never enough, that you can't, he's like, I can't win. And you have to get to that point so you know what, you're right, God, I can't win. I will fight this to the day I die, but God, I choose to fight to the day I die. I will fight it. 
I will fight it. And when I fail, I will get back up and I will keep going. God, I will not forsake you. I will, not for- I will sin, but I will not forsake you, God. And I will fight to the end. God, I promise you that I will just keep fighting. And that's what God wants from us. Amen. I don't want you to live defeated. God doesn't want you to live defeated. Because you might feel that, but don't let your feelings override the fact that you're forgiven, that you're his child. Just keep fighting. Keep battling. There's a story about a little bulldog that every day he came down the sidewalk and there was these two Doberman pinchers that lived in this particular house and the bulldog would crawl under the chain link fence and the, the, the Dobermans would just attack him and he would fight back, fight back and then when he was beat up enough he would crawl back under the fence and go down I mean, just every day and he was scarred and he was beat and, and finally when he comes down the road he gets under the fence and he goes and the Dobermans just run the other direction it was like the war of attrition the bulldog would not give up and therefore, he won the battle. And some of you f- might be facing Dobermans and you think these things keep kicking my butt. Be like the bulldog who just gets back in the fight every day because eventually God's going to go, okay, you're winning and you're winning and you're winning. And you know what? Those Dobermans are just going to run off. Amen? Satan doesn't like a fighter. God does. My last statement here, I actually made a typo, but it actually worked. You want to hear what I wrote? We're on the whining team. I missed, a, I missed an in. And I caught it this morning and I laughed. And I thought, you know what? That might be one of those God things. Because you're either on the winning team or you're on the whining team. So a typo actually turned into something spiritual. Remind yourself of the fact. Live your life with the cross in mind. Amen? I'm a little bit earlier, but not much. But here's what I want to ask you today because I'm not going to let you leave until you answer this question. Are you right with Jesus? Would you bow your head with me? This is a moment that maybe some of you need. You don't even know you need it. But if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to tell you something, guys. There is a heaven and there is a hell. The Bible says that very specific. And if we die without giving our life to Jesus Christ, we pay for our own sins for eternity in hell. And it's a hot place. It's a place of torment. It's a place that you don't want to go. It's a place that Jesus doesn't want you to go. That's why he was willing to come down and die for you. There is no sin so big that God won't forgive. You might be here today thinking, I'm unforgivable. There's no such thing as an unforgivable person. The only unforgiven sin is the sin that's never repented of. But God wants to forgive you today. If you need to give your life to him, I'm going to ask you to be bold and brave. I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out. But if that's you, would you lift your hand up if you need to accept Jesus as your Savior? You need to walk out of this place knowing that you know that you know that you're right with God. Anybody at all? Okay, I don't see any hands here. But for our online crowd, it's a simple prayer. It's Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. It's that simple. It just is a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of saying, God, I'm sorry. Please come into my life. I believe that Jesus died on that cross for me. Sometimes that's all we have to hold on to. When the world beats us up, when that sin keeps coming back, we go back to the cross and say, no, I gave my life to Christ. I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I love you. Man, did this mean anything to anybody? I hope it helped somebody. It helped me um, next week. I'm planning on preaching a more fluffy message next week, maybe a little more fun. Depends on what I, I know the next portion I'm going to 
talk about, and it's the potter's house where he tells, God tells Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house, and he's making pots, and there's this one that gets all messed up, and how God can take something that's all messed up and make something beautiful out of it. Amen. That's each one of us. So, all right, Pastor, just...